Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
شب Oh, 
with another army. Here, let me see what it says. It says, Dear Mr. Shapiro, unless you deposit $10,000 in small bills in a paper bag under the old hollow tree in a vacant lot on the corner, at midnight tomorrow, we will kidnap your wife. <laughs> Sincerely yours, your kidnappers. <laughs> Boy, some tough cookies. <laughs> I better write them an old back immediately. Let me see. Pencil, paper. Dear kidnappers. Your rack of this date received. <laughs> I am writing to tell you I do not have $10,000. But please keep in touch. <laughs> Your proposition interests me. J.M. in the A.M. What a day to introduce our comedy segments, Purim Katan. 
I was hesitating with the seriousness of what's happening in this world right now, especially vis-a-vis the Jewish people, specifically in Israel, if we should drift into our comedy segments. And I'm still not 100% sure, but I figured Purim Katan, we could laugh a little bit more. Why not? Even with the seriousness of uh, these days. Uh, Gidon Levine had Shoshanas Yaakov. Ruach had Shoshanas Yaakov. Words we would have said last night and this morning, but we have an extra month of Adar, so Purim has been postponed for a month. Hence, today's Purim Katan, a minor Purim, a mini Purim, if you will. So we won't say Tacharun today, and we won't say Lam Natseach today. But we will, um, but we will have a um, recognition of the fact. <coughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have a recognition of the fact that today <coughs> that today is Purim Katan. So Gidon Levine with his Shoshanas Yaakov, Ruach with their Shoshanas Yaakov, Avrami Flam, Yishenichnas Adar, and Shuasam. Moshe Kunzler, brand new with Achakalo. Nerni Tzachon was from Shlomo Simcha. It's also brand new. Mendy Warch, brand new with that good Shabbos selection. And the Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this 23rd of February, day 14. <coughs> Excuse me. Day 14 in the month of Adar 1. Today is Purim Katan. Candle lighting time on this Arab Shabbos Parshas Tetzaveh is 519 in the New York area. 519. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And again, today is Purim Katan. And tonight and tomorrow will be Shushan Purim Katan as we get set for the next month, which will be a pre-Purim month. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos, and thanks so much for joining us. Plenty going on, lots to update you about, plus, of course, the weekly update next hour. As you can imagine, there is uh, plenty to discuss regarding what's happening in this amazing world of ours. (coughs) Shmuley Unger was in our studio yesterday, and um, we had the opportunity to play some of the Brand new selections from his brand new album, including this one right here at JM in the AM.
stumit ich stumit ich stumit du mit dir kam alhamis bei ach los sie geht
with an amazing collection from Yiddish Nachas, the Good Shabbos medley, Toameha and Rikude Shabbos. Yoni Z in there with Purim on this Purim katan. Ellie Herzlich and Shlomo Bronner had the Share Nigun, and of course Shmuel Younger's brand new one is entitled Fire. It's one of his brand new selections that we debuted yesterday. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard. On listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and Nachomsigul.com, on the Nachomsigul Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Purim Katan on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Tetzaveh, candle lighting in New York is 519. Make sure you know when things start where you are on this Friday Erev Shabbos, the 20th Shabbat in a row that our brothers and sisters are being held by the enemy. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to Jam there. גלי צהל השעה שתיים של עומריו באולפן ערן קורצים מה שקורה עכשיו 
נמשך מרתון העדויות נגד ישראל בבית המשפט הבינלאומי לצדק בהאג. נציג ממשלת קטאר הופיע היום בפני השופטים וטען כי הכיבוש בשטחים אינו חוקי וכי ישראל נוקטת מדיניות של הפרדה גזעית בגדה ובמזרח ירושלים. מה שישראל עושה מוכיח כי המצב בפלסטין הוא האיום הגדול ביותר על ביטחון העולם. ככה הנציג הקטארי שהוסיף כי הכיבוש הישראלי צריך להיפסק. המלחמה בעזה משמשת כיסוי לפעילות ההתנחלותית בירושלים ובגדה, כך נציג קטאר מדבריו הביא פרשננו לענייני ערבים, ג'קי חוגי. המשא ומתן על שחרור החטופים, אחר הצהריים התחדשו השיחות בפריז, מדווח כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין. משלחת ישראל לשיחות בפריז נוכחת במשא ומתן בראש ובראשונה כדי לוודא שהמסרים שהגיעו ממצרים וארצות הברית על כך שחמאס מוכן להגמיש את דרישותיו אכן באים לידי ביטוי. גורם מדיני אמר לגלי צה"ל, נקודת ההתחלה היא הדרישה של חמאס שצה"ל יצא מהרצועה והמלחמה תיפסק כשהאמריקאים ערבים לכך. לזה לא נסכים. על שאר הסעיפים אפשר לדבר. כדורגלניות נבחרת אירלנד הפנו את גבן במהלך השמעת התקווה לפני משחקן נגד נבחרת ישראל עד גיל 17 במוקדמות אליפות אירופה. כתב הספורט יוני זילברמן מציין שרק לפני כשלושה שבועות נרשמה מחאה דומה מצד אירלנד, כשבמשחק כדורסל מול נבחרת ישראל סירבו הכדורסלניות העיריות ללחוץ את ידיהן של הישראליות והחרימו את טקס הפתיחה. איראן דחתה השבוע בקשה של מנכ״ל סבא רפאל גרוסי לבקר ברפובליקה בתחילת חודש מרס. ראש סוכנות הגרעין של איראן דחה את הבקשה בשל לוח זמנים צפוף ובמקום זאת הזמין את גרוסי לכנס בנושא גרעין שיערך בטהרן בחודש מאי. השבוע הגדיר גרוסי את היחסים עם איראן כמדרון חלקלק וטען שאין לה סיבה להעשיר עוד אורניום למטרות אזרחיות. ידיעה שהעביר פרשננו לענייני צבא וביטחון אמיר בר שלום. מזג האוויר מעונן חלקית עד מעונן בעננות בגובה רב, בהרים ובפנים הארץ נרשמת עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות, אחר הצהריים הרוחות הצפוניות תתחזקנה לאורך החוב, ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת תצווה בירושלים ב-4.52, בתל אביב ב-5.13, בחיפה ב-5.02, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-5.14, ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בירושלים ב-6.08, בתל אביב וב... בבאר שבע בשש ועשרה, ובחיפה תצא השבת מחר בשש ותשע דקות. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות. חמודים אתם. אז ילדים, בואו נעשה שמח! מי ש, מי ש, מי שנכנס עד אל, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי ש, מי ש, מי שנכנס עד אל, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי שנכנס עד אל, מרבים בשמחה. מי שנכנס עד אל, מרבים בשמחה. מי 
Purim, everybody, or in this case, happy Purim Katan from JM in the AM. <coughs> it is Purim Katan, the 14th of Adar 1. Purim this year will be observed in the 14th of Adar 2. But it is uh, Purim Katan here at JM in the AM. And everywhere else. <laughs> and a reminder, no Tachron today, no Lam Natseach today. Tomorrow, Shabbos is Shushan Purim Katan. No Avarachamim, no, uh, except for those shuls that are saying Avarachamim no matter what because of the war. Call it Kavod. No Tzit at Mincha tomorrow. Etc., etc., etc. Erev Shabbos Parshas Titzaveh. With candle lighting time in New York at 519, make sure you know when things start where you are. I want to take this opportunity to wish a Mazal Tov to Dr. Anon Mann. 
along with the Landers and um, uh, Emily Adler. He is uh, one of the honorees at tomorrow night's Congregation Renat Yisrael annual dinner. Uh, they're also honoring their graduating group leaders as well. And they're also uh, giving a uh, nice Lahitra ode to Adina and Rabbi Ezra Wiener as they're making Aliyah. This is happening at Keter Torah on Romer Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey on Saturday night, uh, meaning uh, tomorrow night. And I just want to give a special model to Dr. Unknown Man. Uh, Dr. Shari and Dr. Unknown Man have been amazing friends, supporters, and uh, wonderful people <clears throat> to so many, including us here at JM and the AM. But in addition to that, uh, he's being recognized for the incredible work that he's done in the synagogue in Renat Yisrael. Uh, a very understated man, but nonetheless gets a tremendous, oh, that's a nice pun, but gets a tremendous amount done uh, for the synagogue and for the community. So a salute and a special mazal tov to Dr. Shari and Dr. Renown Mann from all of us here at JM in the AM. And uh, everybody, all the honorees, enjoy the dinner tomorrow night, the Renat dinner happening in Teaneck. Uh, tomorrow night on a Saturday night. JM in the AM on a Friday morning broadcast. Want to take this opportunity to wish a mazal tov. I got to thank Mayor Furtick. He reminded me about this. Mayor Furtick reminded me about this. Our um, our dear friend, uh, Inspector Richie Taylor, has been promoted to Deputy Chief Richie Taylor in the New York City Police Department. Highest ranking Orthodox Jewish officer in the department. And uh, many of you know that he has had an amazing relationship with us here at JM and the AM. He's a really good friend. And I take this opportunity to say mazal tov to, uh, again, uh, Deputy Chief Richie Taylor from all of us here at JM and the AM. And I know that Mayor and uh, many others join me in saying mazal tov. Also a mazal tov going out to our friends at the Yeshiva University men's basketball team, the Maccabees. They've now defeated Mount St. Vincent and Manhattanville as of last night, a both both 12-point victories. They beat Mount St. Vincent. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, that was an 8-point victory. And then they beat Manhattanville, a 12-point victory. And now on Sunday, they will play at Farmingdale State College for the Skyline Conference Championship. Yeshiva University men's basketball team under the leadership of Elliot Steinmetz represent our community unbelievably well i've said this a million times both on and off the court and now they have a chance on sunday to become skyline conference champions and go on to the division three ncaa tournament which is just amazing and frankly incredible so we say mazal tov to the university men's basketball team from all of us here at JM in the AM. And I want to remind everybody, we always have great weekend programming here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, JM Sunday, hosted by Matis Weingast, this Sunday will feature a special guest. Uh, he is going to be speaking this coming Sunday to Rabbi Moshe Cohen, the head of the Jewish World Section in the International School for Holocaust Studies of Yad Vashem. They're going to discuss this summer's educational programs. That's going to be this coming Sunday. Rabbi Moshe Cohen is going to be the guest of Matis Weingast on JM Sunday right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. We're going to go to Harry Rothenberg and then straight to Israel to speak with Steve Adelsberg, who's going to be giving us a special report about his most recent solidarity mission to the Holy Land. First, uh, Harry Rothenberg's words are presented for a refuah shlema for our dear friend, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava, Ruchama 
Chana Etel Baschava. Everybody, please keep her in mind for a Rafua Shlema. Harry Rothenberg on Parshas Titzava here at JM in the AM. Oh, and it looks like we're having looks like we're having a slight problem with this presentation. Hang on a moment. Try this one more time. Um, see if we can get Harry on to discuss Parsha's Titsave here at JMN. In the next week's Parsha, Moshe is trying to convince God to forgive the Jewish people for the sin of the golden calf. He says, God, if you forgive them, great. If not, wipe me out of your book. Erase my name from the Torah. Although Moshe succeeds in his argument, at his lofty level of righteousness, once he says it, it has to come true in some fashion. And so God goes backwards one week to this week's Parsha, and he wipes Moshe's name out of this week's Torah portion. It's the only one in the last four books of the Torah, from Moshe's birth until his death, that his name doesn't appear. But what's the connection between wiping Moshe's name out of the Torah and saving the Jewish people? One commentator explains beautifully, this was Moshe's argument, God. You know why you put me here. You know my purpose. Even before I was born, you sent a prophecy to my older sister Miriam that our parents, who had separated so as not to bring another Jewish baby boy into the world to be killed by Pharaoh, would and should get back together. And as a result of that union, another Jewish baby boy would be born. Me who'd be the future savior of the Jewish people. Even the Egyptian astrologers looked in the stars and said to Pharaoh, on the date of my birth, the seventh of Adar, the Jewish savior is going to be born. And then when my parents placed me in the basket in the Nile, you had Pharaoh's own daughter save me. She defied her father's command to kill all the Jewish baby boys. And before raising me in Pharaoh's own palace, she adopted me and renamed me Moshe. Why? Because she said, because I drew him out of the water. But if that was the only reason, then she should have named me Moshoi, drawn out. No, she named me Moshe, which means to draw out, to lift up, to save. You know I'm supposed to be the Jewish savior. That's my name. I didn't keep my Hebrew name. I kept the name Moshe, and that's the name you call me. That's the name you put in the Torah. If you don't forgive them, if you don't let me save the Jewish people, then I haven't lived up to my name. You'll have to wipe it out of the Torah. And God, in a sense, answers him, I imagine, with a divine smile. All right, Mr. Moshe, Mr. Savior Mazel Tov, you've done it again. You've saved them. I'm going to forgive them. And each of us, right now, has to be a bit of a savior. I heard a talk from a rabbi visiting from Israel a few days ago, and his words are still haunting me. I keep replaying them in my head. He was talking about battle fatigue, not that of the soldiers in the Israeli army, our fatigue. After October 7th, Jews across the world mobilized, and we prayed, and studied Torah, and did mitzvahs, and acts of kindness, and sent tremendous amounts of charity. But since then, lately, we've been slacking off a little bit. But the soldiers are still at war, risking their lives. The hostages are still in captivity. The displaced families haven't been able to return home. We can't slack off. We have to fight through that fatigue and pray with more intensity and keep studying Torah and doing more mitzvahs and more acts of kindness and giving more and more charity. If we don't, this rabbi said, if we are right now the same people that we were on October 6th, or if we've gone back to our old schedules, then either we don't believe that our actions make a difference in heaven, or we don't care 
about our fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. We have got to redouble our efforts, like Moshe, keep pounding and pounding on the doors of heaven, refusing to take no for an answer. Well, we know of one group. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of groups out there that deserve this type of uh, uh, th- this type of praise and these types of uh, accolades. But uh, one of them that we're very familiar with is the Yeshiva of Flopush, who have been just incredible in the effort of uh, arranging and carrying out as many solidarity missions as possible to Israel. Now, Steve Adelsberg, who's been on all of them. And as many of you know, if you're a regular listener, he's a dear friend of this show. He is in Israel. They just concluded, yesterday, they just concluded the fourth Yeshiva Flatbush Solidarity Mission. He's been on all of them, and he's spending Shabbat in Yerushalayim. Steve Adelsberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nochem, but I'm not in Yerushalayim. We're in Eili, in Yeshivat Eili. And uh, I have to tell you, it's like you go and you see the Hislavas of of purpose, of focus, and it's here. Are you an A.L.E. for Shabbos? Yeah, I'm an A.L.E. for Shabbos. That's pretty amazing. Steve Adelsberg with us live via telephone. Is there a way in a couple of minutes that you can sum up what type of trip this was? Because I know that every time you go with the Yeshiva of Flatbush, they try to add a, 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 um, a new twist to the solidarity missions. Uh, they try to come up with programming that'll be meaningful to the participants and to those who you're visiting. What was this trip like? Well, basically, as I said to everybody, we hug and we listen. Then we hug some more and we listen some more. We have our rabbis, Rabbi Hertzberg, Rabbi Sklaren, they're out there. But this trip, we went south. And we heard the stories everyone's hearing and you realize this is not going away these people will be affected for the rest of their lives you hope they find some nechama and um, you talk to the people who are there eyewitnesses and you just don't have words you just listen and you realize I have to say it I don't get political with you nechem, but I have to say if you see the people and someone says to you two state solution you look at them like, well, what planet are you from? Where are you coming from? And I have to say, it's like, you know, you see what's going on here. And that, as the, I think it was Harry was saying before, before I came on, yes, it's tough. We've been doing this now since October 7th, but so is everyone else. I know a soldier gets married. We just went, we took a picture of a soldier who got married, who's on the line since October 7th. He gets a week, he gets a week vacation. So he gets married during this week. After Shaver Brothers, he's going back online. Oh. So I asked everybody, anyone have any advice for him? <laughs> you know, you can imagine the line I got back. <laughs> you got a better way to spend a week? You know? <laughs> It is incredible to meet these soldiers. I mean, in this case, thank God it's for a very positive reason, but there are soldiers we're reading about who've been injured. And and when I heard that they returned to their unit, I thought it was an exaggeration, but they're actual stories of guys who are back with their units in combat. after. They go go right back. There's no such thing in Sahel as a million-dollar injury. Right. We called in the U.S. Army a million-dollar wound. Is that hey, you got a good wound? It's not life-threatening. It's not it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't make you have a disability. But you get to go home. Right. Nobody wants. No one wants to go home. Everyone goes back. 
Everyone says, hey, 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 I don't leave my troops. On previous trips with the Yeshiva Flatbush, you told us about meetings with uh, Air Force personnel. Uh, Rabbi Grossman had accompanied you to a couple of special ceremonies. Was there any any special program this time around? I mean, you mentioned the visits, obviously, and listening to people, hugging people, giving them chizuk. Uh, was there any official program that was uh, uh, that, that you either uh, conducted or participated in while you were there? We made, this is the first time we took the students. You remember, we've been with this fourth trip. Right. Baruch Hashem, we've been able to speak, take 150 students from Yeshiva to Eretz Yisrael since October 7th. All Yeshiva but this, we made a decision. Yeah, they made a decision to go south. And you don't have to go all the places. One place will do it for you. I, we went to Kfar Raza. We went to the rock concert. All I can say to you, without, if it wasn't for the rock concert, this is what the head of Zaka told us, who was completely still in shock. The head of Zaka says, for the first month, I didn't hunt my grandchildren. For the first month, I couldn't, I couldn't go to a wedding. And he said, some people are asking, you know, it was a rock concert on Shabbos in Yantus. And someone said, we can't go there, but we're thinking it. But he said, understand that these Kabbanas, these Kabbanas sacrificed, and that's because of, that, because of them, Hamas couldn't go up to Ashdod, Demona, and Ashkelon. Mm. There were three hours that they were in that parking lot on that rock concert campus stopped the advance. They were still entrenched in the, the different Yishuvim in the south, but the advance stopped. And that was something he said to head of Zaka, and I said, they were the Kabanos, and you and you and your comrades in Zaka were the Kohanim. Did you notice the um, did you notice the effect that this had on the students? I mean, you, you just told us that you know, now 150 students of Yeshiva of Flapush have been there on these solidarity missions. Sometimes it's uh, hard to evaluate what type of impression things like this make on teenagers. Any observations about that? Yeah, the teenagers were affected tremendously. When you go on these missions, and I, you know, Berkhashem was able to go, none of us here, but before, you know, the mission starts out with teenagers with their, I used to say, with their radios and this and that, and they got that certain levity in there. You know, they don't know what they're going in. They're, they're, but their feelings are real. Two days in, three days in, you see the change. Yeah. For the fourth day, we have to sit with them, cuddle them, and let them all speak and let them all feel. And you see the change, you see the maturity, and they realize one thing, Zu Am Yisrael. And they get it. And they understand it. And now they become ambassadors. They spread the word. They start saying that, hey, we made a difference. We all can make a difference. And I said before, anything you do, you listen and you hug. And all of Am Yisrael wants to know one thing. Are you with us? Just tell us you're with us. Because we feel very lonely. And just like the adults now more than ever, our kids, even in the American Jewish community, feel as connected as, as ever to both the people of Israel and the land of Israel. <clears throat> Steve Adelsberg in Israel. He's there an extra Shabbat after the most recent Yeshiva of Flatbush Solidarity Mission. Any feeling in Israel today about Purim Katan? Did you even feel that it was a bit of a, in a minor way, a bit of a special day or that didn't come up today? It comes up. No, no, no. It's, this is, I found out. I'm with Rav Goldberg. I'm with Mayor, Mayor Goldberg. He said to me, by the way, Zion Adar, 
everyone should know was Adar Alif. And that was last Friday, right? I think it was last Friday. Right, right. And, and now, now, so we have Purim Qatar, and I was with, I was with the Biano Rebbe. He told me what he heard, and it's not verified. I think when the Biano Rebbe tells me something, I take it to the bank. Yeah. He said to me, the Khatufim was saying, they were in rooms with no lights. So the moms of Hamas gave them flashlights. They said on Friday night, and they're not, these are, these are not religious. They took the flashlights and they looked and they made Hadlakas Neros on the candles for Shabbos. They had grape juice they were given. They saved the caps and they used the caps of the grape juice to save Kiddush. Now, this is why, this, what? This story came from where? The Biano Rabbit told me this story. About who? He was told about the about the hostages who were released. This wow. is what they told them. Wow. So it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> what we were saying here is that, I mean, we all see the clips. We all see the, you know, the, the changeover. And I say to people, by the way, what were you arguing about a year ago? Yeah. <laughs> Can anyone tell me? Did anyone care anymore? Yeah. Uh, it is uh, Shabbat number, t- full Shabbat, full Shabbat number 20. Because remember, the kidnapping happened on Shabbat. Full Shabbat number 20, assuming, unfortunately, if they're not released in the next few hours, that our brothers and sisters have been in captivity. Day number 139 since October the 7th, One hundred. And 39, our brave soldiers have been at this for four months, four plus months, defending and um, protecting the state of Israel and Jewish people around the world. The most inspiring figure, photo you could see, and somebody could see it, the people the, the people of Sholamit were in Kramim until yesterday. Right. In the, in the star. Right. As, as before they left, they made a, a, a gauntlet, a line, you know, that sometimes we make that in the places we don't want to be, but he made it go on with, and all the employees of Kramin were given a Yoshikayach and how the little kids just ran over to these people who took care of them for the last 139 days. So it looked like the end of a Stanley Cup playoff series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Steve, let's put everything in perspective here. Come on. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Unbelievable. Some, but I'm saying here, but, you know, I, we were in, we came to Ailey, and as most of you know, Ailey was hit very, very hard. Yep. Yeshiva there, and I don't know how I'm even going to be able to go there to this weekend because they lost 19 boys. Yep. And, and but hey, they, they look, they have a certain, we all know it, we all see it. I'm not telling, I'm not telling anyone anything new. Only reason I want to come on is hey guys, we can't stop. Yeah. They're not stopping. We can't stop. Well, Yeshiva Flatbush and you and the leadership and the rabbis—they've uh, they've kept the momentum going. A lot of schools, by the way, have hopped aboard. Kolakavod to every institution that has done that, and of course synagogues and groups as well. Uh, you guys are just a symbol of the whole thing. As you went so early and you've gone so often, and we hope that momentum continues. Steve Adelsberg, a Purim cut on Sameach. Have a Shabbat Shalom and Ali. Please send our best. To everybody there, and I'm Yisrael Chai. And maybe you have some connections, but is it possible to get a change the movies a little bit? 
You know, it's so funny you say that because I have also had the privilege to go a lot, you know, in the last few months. And, you know, not that it's the most important thing because there are other things that you and I can do on airplanes and do and do on flights that are, in fact, more important. But, you know, at times you want to just relax a little bit, check out what's happening in the entertainment system. And yes, you are correct. You are correct that there's a lack. And as a matter of fact, I have here, I have literally in front of me, where is it? Oh, it might be in my New York studio. I literally have in front of my New York studio console the uh, phone number of one of the vice presidents of El Al. I think that might be my first question when I finally get him on the air. What are we what are we doing? What are we doing to to rotate the TV and movies a little bit better on the flights? But as my my father or lover Sean would say to me, that should be your biggest problem, my son. Amen to that brother. When I would complain about when I would complain about airline food to my father, he would always remind me how he used to travel over the Atlantic on single engine planes and just pray they got there. He, he never worried. About, he never worried about what they were serving. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is true. Have a, have a, Our priorities have changed. That's have an, a great Shabbos. That's, an, that's an understatement. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Steve Adelsberg. Oh, how our priorities have changed. Oh boy. Is he right? Oh, is he right? And I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it. Trust me. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it. I just proved that I'm guilty of it. But boy, you travel in some of our Jewish neighborhoods in Chutzlaretz right now. And Halavai, what they're doing here, they'd be doing in Israel. Because, yeah, there are fancy stores, big malls, incredible restaurants in certain neighborhoods of Israel. And frankly, why not? That's the place where the future of the Jewish people lies. But this week I had the opportunity, I guess maybe that might be the right word, to be in certain neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey, noticeably Jewish neighborhoods that have grown numbers-wise and in ostentation to a degree that frankly is embarrassing. Now I, as I just said, I'm as guilty as anybody else. I just proved it with my response to Steve about the, uh, about the airline offerings. But uh, I think we all need to take a hard look at that. Got to take a hard look at that. More coming up. It's Purim Katan, Erev Shabbos. You're listening to JM in the AM. Pia Pascha, Pascha Vichachma, Besayas Chaser al Shaina, Rabbis Bonais, Azuchayil, Viatoli Sahel Kulana, Shegehachem, Bevelayoifi, Bevelayoifi, Isha. Shine 
that song to the Kala of the soldier that Steve Adelsberg was just talking about who he met this week who left Gaza he's been in Gaza since October 8th he left Gaza to get married was off for a week and on Sunday goes back to his unit in Gaza we'll dedicate that to his young wife unbelievable Pia Pascha done by Yaakov Yosef Yosef Yaakov excuse me Yosef Yaakov here on a JM in the AM Friday morning Purim Katan. Hey, I want to wish a mazel tov to our dear friend, um, uh, Inspector Richie Taylor, who now is Deputy Chief Richie Taylor of the New York City Police Department, the highest ranking Orthodox member of the NYPD. And he's just been promoted to Deputy Chief. Mazel tov. Many of you who are regular listeners of this show know that we have an amazing friendship. He has been a, a just a tremendous supporter, advocate, and helper for us here at JM and the AM and to see him be advanced to this position at such a young age is it's remarkable a tremendous tribute to him what a kiddush Hashem he is so uh so deputy chief Richie Taylor mazal tov to you from all of us here at JM and the AM Friday morning candlelighting time at 5 19 on this era of Shabbos make sure you know when things start where you are in the New York area 519 on Erev Shabbos, Parshas Titzava. A reminder that uh, this coming Sunday, <coughs> excuse me, this coming Sunday, Matis is going to be speaking on JM Sunday, Sunday with Rabbi Moshe Kohn, head of the Jewish World Section in the International School for Holocaust Studies of Yad Vashem. They'll discuss this summer's educational programs. Again, that's this Sunday with Rabbi Moshe Kohn, a JM Sunday guest of Matis's, uh, make sure to be tuned in to JM Sunday. Again, Mazal Tov to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team, the Maccabees. They're going to the Skyline Conference Championship this coming Sunday at Farmingdale. We wish them the best of luck, to say the least. They represent the Jewish people really, really well, and they deserve all the success that they have. And uh, if they win on Sunday, they'll be heading to the NCAAs, which is amazing. Just amazing. Mazal Tov, listener Sina says, to my newest grandson, Benjamin Fisher of Muncie, whose birthday is today. Benjamin, even though you're pretty new to the family, it feels like you've been with us for much longer with your warm smile and sense of humor. You've definitely earned a seat at our family table. Wishing you a very happy birthday and many more in good health. Admea Estrim, that's Bubs. She signs it. We know her as listener Sina, who allegedly is down in the sunshine, sunshine state 
of Florida. Malcolm Honeline weekly update and more coming up. Keep it here at JM in the AM. with Ellie Marcus. Song is called Hashem O's. Purim cuts on morning at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Erev Shabbos Parshas Titzaveh. Candle lighting time in New York, 519. 519 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Um. Yeah, make sure you know when things start where you are. Congratulations to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team. The Maccabees are going to the Skyline Conference Finals. If they win on Sunday at Farmingdale, they're going to the NCAAs. We say Mazal Tov and good luck from all of us here at JM in the AM. They represent the Jewish people really well on and off the court. We never stop 
praising them for that. Um, big Yeshikach to Coach Elliot Steinmetz and his staff. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, J.M. and the M. Malcolm Holmline in Israel. We'll get them in a moment. Don't forget our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you're looking for thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world to print out before Shabbos, we have the answer. Go to jewishworldreview.com. Again, jewishworldreview.com and print away. Yeah, print away, literally. And you'll uh, be all set with plenty of great reading material to inform and inspire over your weekend. jewishworldreview.com. Check them out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline with us from Israel. Always extra special when he reports from the Holy Land. Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Mr. Honline, happy Purim Katan, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Especially good to be with you from Jerusalem, and especially on Purim Katan. And people are celebrating here or commemorating it this year. They need it especially. And... Um, and I hope that Purim by Purim will be able to celebrate the release of the hostages. But most of all, that all the Jews will be standing together with Israel. It's a tough time. There are great demands, but it's a heroic people. And I've been down at the army bases where we've been making uh, dinners for them and barbecues, of Sadu Marpev from Bells and others. It's just unbelievable. And you see the achtut of the Jews of every stripe, every kind, dancing together, celebrating together, and defending Israel and the Jewish people together. Don't take it for granted. We need everybody. We need everybody to be involved. We're going to face really serious challenges as the propaganda machines against us rev up and are working overtime. We have to be doing even more to counter it and to know what's at stake for all of us and our children and grandchildren in this. Yeah, point well taken, to say the least. Yesterday, terror attack at a checkpoint that all of us have been at many, many times. And what a strategy by the terrorists. People are stuck in a traffic jam. Let's start and open fire upon them. Um, not that this is any different than any other terror attack that we've seen over the years. All of them seem to have their own creativity, as we always point out. Uh, but what do we know about what happened yesterday? And again, as I always ask, a lone wolf type of attack, three isolated terrorists, or was this a directive from some other source? So we don't have all the facts yet. They haven't put it out. They're interrogating them. And obviously, it's important for them to give them time because the information they get may enable them to round up uh, others who were involved. They did make a number of arrests uh, of others in the communities from which they came, but it's, um, you know, the, the, there's very few lone wolves in the sense that, that there isn't some influence or something that drives them to this, uh, to take this kind of action and, we have to root out all of those, and Israel is working diligently. If you see the uh, uh, raids that have taken place, and sometimes they're not even reported anymore because it becomes so commonplace, but this is what has prevented a third front. You have the front in the south, you have the front in the north, but what even more dangerous would have been in the heart of Israel, and you saw from all of the actions that they took over the last six, eight months, long before October 7th, 
going into Tulkarm and Janin and being able to take out the manufacturing places, the um, the facilities that they had, the uh, stockpile of weapons, of rockets and other things, which if they hadn't done, could have been used and activated another front against us. So the work that's done there is super sensitive because they're often having to go into densely populated areas and uh, to try to minimize this, the civilian casualties as they carry it out. But we thank God for what they have done, that, the, that we prevented so many deaths. And unfortunately, in this case, um, you know, it could, the toll could have been much higher, but unfortunately, we still lost um, at least one and, and seven who were, who were wounded. And it's funny, people are probably wondering why I would take the opening of such an important weekly update this week and discuss that attack. But this is one of the reasons, because you always reassure us with facts, obviously, that as you just described, it, 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 we don't realize because, unfortunately, we focus on, on the on the killing, on the injuries, etc., rightfully so, but we don't realize how much is prevented and the type of actions that are being taken to minimize these types of attacks. And I think, as you just described, yesterday is a perfect example. Yes, 100%. And it's it's one of many. And, you know, the raids take place. And, and you see how quick the West, uh, even the West, let alone the enemies, are, are to condemn and they they criticize when, in fact, these are life-saving uh, exercises on the part of the military. It's based on hard information. And if it weren't for the great intelligence work and then the courage of the soldiers, and you see films today, unfortunately, because of the body cams, I think, I think sometimes it would be better if there was less shown, but they that tells you, do you see how they operate, the circumstances, going through narrow alleyways, and not just, you know, pre, preordained that, uh, that they were, that the shooters are in place. And the Israeli soldiers are able to, um, to, to not only come through safely, but also to eliminate the threats and dangers. Pretty amazing. Today is day number 139. We're about to start, unless, please God, they're released in the next few hours, about to start the 20th full Shabbat that our brothers and sisters are being held by the enemy. It, it looks like there are a couple of things that have come up in the last 24 hours in the news regarding a potential hostage deal. Number one, now they're starting to talk about, and I'm finding this Ramadan deadline fascinating, as you know, but whatever. Uh, I've th been thinking about it a lot, but they're talking about the possibility of a hostage deal, Dafka, before Ramadan, and now they're mentioning in the news how Israel has become more cooperative and is ready to send delegations to more and more of these hostage talks. Give us the update on all this, please. So I think you just summarized it pretty well. There are talks going on, various talks. Uh, Israel did not send a delegation initially to Cairo. Uh, they are there now. There are talks going on with Israelis, um, but they're not going to dignify the irrational proposals, and especially those that call for immediate ceasefires as opposed to humanitarian pause, those that you know tie in the Palestinian state and movement and all sorts of commitments and you know, things that are contrary to the interests of peace, the interests of Israel, the interests of the United States, the interests of all of our allies, uh, and mostly, you know, the Arab allies who fear the trends and the 
you know, some of these assertions because to them, and I would say to a person, those leaders say to us, don't stop, don't stop, don't listen to the world, don't listen even to our public statements, decimate them because Jordan, Egypt will pay a price. I think even more than Israel, I think the the uh, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, all the West Morocco, they all know that if Hamas is able to keep firing the day after, even one rocket, if their Sinai is able to go, Sinai to go and lead a parade, if they're able to hold manifestations, if the four brigades that are based in Rafah are not destroyed as well, and that they can then regroup and become the nucleus of a, of a rebuilt Hamas, that they will all pay the price for it, so will Israel. And therefore, Israel has to be given the time, the space to do what it has to do. It is continuing every day in Khan Yunus, in, in other places, uh, that they successfully are eliminating many, many thousands of terrorists over this period. And this is essential for whatever outcome for the day after to work. It cannot work if they we're going to have this cancerous infrastructure still in place, metastasizing through the region. I just wish some of those government officials would say it a little louder, frankly. <laughs> you know, we, we know, as you've described to us, that, they're, that, that not only do they agree, they're encouraging Israel under their breath to continue. I wish they would say it a little louder and some of the media sources would pick up those words. Yes, well, yeah, I agree with you. Unrealistic, I guess. All right, you just mentioned about the day after. The prime minister has said that the IDF will be responsible for security uh, in both Gaza and the quote-unquote West Bank whenever the day after uh, kicks in. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean we're setting ourselves up for world condemnation because of an IDF presence ultimately in Gaza and along the West Bank? Uh, is, is this uh, the only answer the prime minister has to the practical problem that we saw, you know, uh, you know, come to a head, obviously, on October the 7th? Uh, how do you evaluate the way he is evaluating security concerns after this war? Well, obviously, it's uh, it is very heavy on his mind. I had the opportunity to sit and talk to him. Uh, obviously, I won't recount uh, a private conversation, but to, to he fully understands it. He fully appreciates the seriousness of the moment. Uh, he's on top of, I think, of all aspects of this, but there are many interlocking considerations. So. You know, the day after, I think, has to be led to the day after. Right now, we can't afford the divisiveness and the and the separation. we got to be focused on a victory and focused on our support for the troops and focused on the unity of the people and dealing with those who have been injured and all of the burdens that will come with it, as well as dealing with the, uh, as I did this morning, the thousands of uh, people from Kiryat Shimona, and from Stay Road, they've been replaced and mis- I mean, uh, they've been uh, removed and um, are today in, in still in hotels. And as you said, they've been living for months under these conditions. They want to go home, They want, but they want to go home to safe homes. Now, there are people in the south who have returned, but in the north, it's, it's impossible. And the RPGs continue to be fired, the, the tank, anti-tank missiles. Um, houses in Metula, Kirachimon, and other places are destroyed. And uh, whole areas are empty, whereas across on the Lebanese side, they're not empty. The villagers, by and large, are, are, are remaining there, and they're targeted attacks, but Israel, you know, hits specific uh, places. 
And I think uh, everybody's trying to avoid uh, escalation on that border. But whatever solution is ultimately arrived at, what Israel is saying is there is nobody today who can take over the security of the of the region and provide security for Israel to right. prevent rebuilding of the troops that in the process of rebuilding and we know what happens how much money gets siphoned off and how much of the kleptocracy gets reactivated and that's really going to be the difference between this action and other actions in gaza right the result is going to be different israel's not going to allow anybody else to be responsible for security and you, you you know it's a massive job uh but that has to be done that there's also the process of the nazification as they call it you know to to uh, root out the educational system, the, including UNRWA. All of them have been collaborators. We see how journalists were subordinated to, to the terrorist uh, organizations and worked for them at the same time as they were, quote, reporting for uh, for Al Jazeera and other media, and certainly UNRWA officials and employees who, who were used. So for the prime minister right now and for the all of those who are considering it, and there are all sorts of think tank groups that are working with the consent of the government, without the consent of the government, trying to come up with ideas because the PA can't rule the PA. It can't handle what it has right now. And it's in no position as Abbas in his 18th year of his four-year term and with the not even having the support of three-quarters of his own people and in in the in Gaza even less uh, and and don't doesn't even have the infrastructure there anymore because he's been out of there for so long that there has to be uh, certainly an interim thing, and hopefully some of the foreign governments will contribute, and there have to be forces that can police the area and, and reestablish law and order, but also to, to uh, if you rebuild the society, that it can't be just again that uh, Hamas and the others, will, and Iran and, and their proxies take advantage of it, take their percentage off the top of any expenses that are and expenditures that are being made as they do now the aid that goes in you know the Hamas uh, officialdom takes a significant percentage off the top just for their people and that they sell sometimes to the people uh, taking advantage of the generosity of of the donors of all the stuff there are 500 trucks waiting to get in to Gaza not because Israel's holding them up because the UNRWA workers and the others uh, hold them up and, and so there has to be an outcome that one says to people, all of our sacrifices, we understand why we had to make it. It's not because whether it's worth it, not worth it. It's because we understand this is Israel's future. It's the state and people today remain as committed as ever. The resilience is amazing. The dedication of the Sahal of the army to, to their responsibilities is beyond belief. And, and guys say, I'm going home, but I'll be back in two weeks. You know, even when they're released, they're, they're planning already their return. And and the percentage, you know, that, that responded remains very high. Uh, some are being sent home, but they're being sent home for interperiods. Some are being moved to the north. Uh, you know, it's shifting around to meet uh, as the needs are, are being met. And the, the um, mood in the country is that they understand why there has to be victory. People are very afraid of the day after of the political divisions coming back. They don't want them, and I hope that they will work to help prevent them, and I've talked to people about it. Uh, hopefully we can help also from the outside make people come together, hold to account those who seek to divide and to reintroduce divisive measures. This is not the time. Israel will need 
huge amounts of money, unbelievable amounts, just to rebuild its facilities to take care of the South and the North. Will take many billions of shekels to to do many billions, and let alone the care of all those wounded, thousands of wounded, many amputees, many people with, you know, very serious um, uh, wounds and damages that have to be healed. So the the needs are going to be very great, but the opportunities will be great too. I believe there'll be a big aliyah, as I've said. I believe there will be uh, uh, an atmosphere of rebuilding. The political price will have to be paid, but frankly, uh, I think right now we should focus on the immediate needs. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline in Israel, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I get it, and I understand the importance of the unity and the desire to not let any type of divisiveness enter Israeli society. And, and I, get, I understand the hope that this can last for a while, certainly <laughs> after the war is over. But, I mean, I, I, again, you know my perspective on this. This audience certainly clearly knows it. I'm not in favor of the prime minister still being in his position, and you and I could either disagree or, or discuss and analyze this, you know, as much as we want. However, however, the reality is, and I'm sure you know this, last weekend was the largest protest in Tel Aviv against the prime minister since October 7th. And one would have to assume that these are only going to grow larger and larger and that he is going to be a focus of the disunity that's going to start creeping back in or has already started to creep back in into Israeli society. And by the way, based on the accounts I'm getting, these protests are much more across the board than the you know Supreme Court decision uh, or Supreme Court action or court or you know what I mean the, the protests of the past have been so I get it we want unity we want a, a spirited country that's ready to move forward and rebuild but I I I, I foresee that these protests against the Prime Minister are only going to get larger and more vocal. I think it's probably true, but first of all, demonstrations are for hostages as well which rallies people. So many people there are not necessarily against the prime minister or a prime minister, particular party, but against, uh, but for the hostages and for a reason, as it gets drags on, people are more and more concerned rightfully about the fate and what's happening to them. And we should do everything possible in every effort to get them home and to let my people go from there. <clears throat> and the, the, um, and the rest of the equation, you know, we can debate. Because it's not just the prime minister. I mean, you look at the defense minister, you look at the head of the Shabak, the head of the Mossad, the head of the IDF, the, the former heads who, who oversaw the last few years, what happens to Benny Gantz and others. I mean, why are they not? He was chief of staff and minister of defenses. All of them, they, there will have to be accountability across the board about what did they do, what did they not do? Why did it take so long to respond? Why did... There have to be so many Kobanas. There was a surprise attack. What happened with defense? What happened with all the security barriers that were supposedly in place? Those questions will have to be addressed. But I would appeal that people address that after we take care first and foremost of the security situation. By the way, what, uh, I asked you earlier about the hostage deal by Ramadan. Anything anything with that deadline being in favor of a hostage deal? Or it's, it, it's not as relevant as I may think? Well, no, I think there is some relevance. It's, it's not. It's not a deadline. It's a dateline. Um, it's 
it informs the discussion. And because things change, you know, you're not going to have negotiators at the table. Some of them, you know, they fast all day. They will want to focus on that. Uh, and government and uh, uh, work and a lot of offices, uh, business offices come to a somewhat of a standstill during um, or, or diminution, I should say, in Ramadan as right. people um, operate under these more complicated uh, situations. But I think the the um, um, the um, uh, likelihood, possibilities and uh, prospects for uh, what happens during Ramadan uh, are an overlay because people are home all day. It's a time when you can have more demonstrations. It's a time for, uh, you know, that they're in the mosques and can get excited by the imams. Uh, so I think everybody is conscious of it. But I wouldn't say, as I said, it's a, it's a, that it's a deadline as much as a dateline that informs the discussion. BB has made clear they're not going to stop for Ramadan if there's not an agreement, if there's not a return of hostages, if, if there isn't other steps taken. Where is Sinwar, and is his capture at this point a practical capture because it would, uh, you know, affect the ability of the enemy, or is it more of a symbolic attempt at this point? That's very good questions. The answer is we don't know where he is. Some people thought he was in Egypt. We're told now that he's not. That he's still, he still may be in the bowels of Kanunis. He's hiding like the rat he is underground. And they say that there has been no communication with him for a while. That could also be meant just to throw people off. But the Israelis also say that they haven't been able to trace any communications from him for a while, which means he may be so underground that and not want to do anything that will give them an ability to trace his presence. Or maybe he, he's been incapacitated in some capacity, though I think... Um, the intelligence would would have more information on that. The <clears throat> so his capture is very important. If you don't get the 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 head of the snake, the snake continues to function. We can eliminate a lot of parts of it, and it grows back, or we'll come back. Eliminating Sinwar and a few of the other leaders is essential. If it weren't for the hostages, they would be able to do much more dramatic things. When people say, why does it go so slowly? Why does it take so long? You don't know what these soldiers face. As I've seen and talked to them, they have to go apartment by apartment. There are launchers in them. There are booby traps. There are explosives in all these places. And that they have to go with great care and and deliberation as they go from place to place. That's, uh, um, I think so. So where he is, we don't know. I don't believe he's out in Egypt. I don't know that Egypt would want him either, uh, unless he snuck out with the the refugees, as they have done on numerous occasions. Yeah. And they and and uh, eliminating him is essential. And anybody who watches the videos that come out of the soldiers, everything they're doing, which is with such precision and with so much strategy, is all while at the same time trying to avoid gunfire grenades, RPGs, and everything else. I, I can't even fathom when I see these videos how they're able to operate the way they do. And we thank God so much strength and success that we continue to wish for them. And speaking of Egypt, what do you make of this uh, four-kilometer-wide buffer zone that they've created on the border with Gaza? I think it's important. I think it's, uh, it's something that they've tried before, you know, when they closed the tunnels. And I think the uh, you know it gives them the ability to control the flow of people 
You know, there's a great deal of fear that because if Israel starts moving in <clears throat> to Rafah, that many people will try to cross into Egypt, and Egypt is sitting the border. Israel is creating a safe corridor so as to obviate that uh, that option and get people to move back. But I think the the uh, Israel will have to create a similar buffer on the in the Gaza side, right. as well as partial buffer perhaps on its side. But, you know, it's very hard for Israel to go territory when it's so small. And here you have, um, you know, the circumstances. We don't know which communities would be rebuilt. We don't know whether people will come back. So for Israel, having a buffer along the Gaza border will be important as well for the future. How happy were you that the United States vetoed the U.N. resolution regarding the ceasefire? Uh, Very happy. well, I wasn't sure what you know, people weren't sure what they would do, but the fact is that the continued flirtations, though, with the Palestinian state, which is really not a viable option now, as we discussed, and um, you know, it can be talked about in theory, but nobody would know how to construct it, how to build build it, how to, and and it becomes then a demand on Israel, as if it's Israel's responsibility to create a Palestinian state for them, and to to try and find a government and, and to somebody that they could agree upon. Uh, there's nobody now. So just doing this raises expectations that can't be uh, met and then puts demands on Israel that it should be creating the circumstances for it. Whereas the kleptocracy and the corruption and the you know all the favoritism for the leadership has, has, at the expense of their people has, should be brought to an end, and it's not Israel's responsibility, it's theirs. They have a uh, police force, they don't use them for anything. Israel has to do all the policing and cleaning up of these uh, factories and the manufacturing and the, and the rest of it. So right now we have to uh, work hard to maintain public support in America, to not let the lies and the distortions and misrepresentations, constantly seeing these pictures on, on the television of, of uh, vic- supposed victims when uh, we've seen cases uh, that, well, those that are doctored and manufactured, and Israel puts out numbers which have proven to be extremely reliable, and not those that come from the Palace, the, uh, the Ministry of Health, which is a Hamas agency, and no reason for them to be telling the truth. That, yeah. So, uh, Congressman Gottheimer was in this studio this week. Good guy, by the way, and he assured us that. Uh, at least from his perspective, both the House and the Senate will eventually give Israel the aid that they need. Um, however, at the same time, we should acknowledge that President Biden, at least according to the report I saw, has authorized the thousands of bombs and bomb fuses and tens of millions of dollars of equipment to get to Israel. So even as things are being held up in the House and Senate, I mean, more more the House, um, still Washington is finding ways to, to help Israel with uh, equipment. And that is very important. And those who yell and scream that we should, about the president or others, look at the record still that at the United Nations, at the ICJ, and most of all, these shipments are vital to Israel. Israel will have to move towards more, greater independence in producing its own weapons. But you have a wide range of weapons. It's a great infrastructure investment. It's it's huge uh, uh, cash up front um, uh, expenses that they would have to to uh, expend in order to implement this vision and to produce the JDOMs and the other things that they use in great quantities. But in the meantime, the United States has come through. This is not the first one. There was a, a shipment of many planes that came in 
um, at the beginning of the war and that they sustain them. Uh, Israel tries to be reserved in the use of, of the Iron Dome and, and other things because it's so expensive each time it's fired. But the fact is, if it saves lives, it's, it's a worthy investment. And I think, um, you know, people have to show HaKasato for the good, just as you can be critical of the bad. And uh, and I think, you know, the Palestinian state proposal now diverts attention from the viable approaches that must be made by the uh, administration. And uh, we talked before about mobilizing the other countries to take responsibility, Qatar, uh, Egypt, others in, in, um, in Gaza, so that there would be a collective effort that would be least able to keep some sense of stability until uh, a solution is found. There is no non, no immediate one on the horizon. What got into the president of Brazil this week comparing uh, Israel's actions to the Holocaust? I think the children didn't agree with him and something happened. But, you know, he has a long history uh, this is not the first outrageous comment that he's made when it comes to us and the comparing it to Hitler, the, the events in Gaza. I think there has to be um, uh, round condemnation and those who do business in Brazil, those who do have contacts there should use them and mobilize them to speak out uh, about uh, uh, what happened. But I also have to admit that I was very disappointed that Secretary of State Blinken appeared with the, the president of Brazil and smiling and did not make any public mention. I don't know if he privately did uh, mention of the outrageous comments uh, that he made. Wow. Interesting. By the way, you know who bothers me even more? And you you may, I'm, I'm serious now, you may work with him or locally here in this part of the world. You know, the, the, the groups that you're part of may work with him. So you don't have to, you don't have to acknowledge this. If you don't want to, but I don't know what's with Brad Lander. This is the controller of the city of New York, and it seems whenever there's an anti-Israel statement from any level of government, he's ready to hop on. I mean, I, I don't know if this is a recent development or not, but, but and again, I don't know if you want to address this, but I'll simply say that he is among the most disappointing uh, public officials in this area when it comes to stands on Israel. Anything you want to say about that? Not disappointing. This is a, a trend that he's been on and a past he's been on for a long time. I agree with your frustration and anger about what he has said and what he has done. The fact that other Jewish members of the council and others joined him, but he is a citywide official. And I think it's a, it's a shame that he, he won and he's continued to be given the platform because, as you said, he never seems to hesitate to take a, a very hostile position when it comes to Israel. Yeah, he'll always swipe at Israel. United said they're going to fly to Israel starting on the 2nd of March. Delta said they're going to start on the 1st of May. We've seen these announcements before. They did not come to fruition. Do you think it's true this time around? I think it's a higher level of announcement, which means it's probably more credible. I do think it's possible that they will... Do they will uh, begin? They had scheduled flights even for now for this month, but they canceled them. And uh, I think that the aspirational date, because this is a very profitable route, people don't know, but it's they make a lot of money on the New York Tel Aviv uh, r r route. And right now, uh, only allow flies directly to the states. Others are flying indirectly through various airlines. But the uh, these two, uh, both United and Delta, fly direct, which is much more preferable. <clears throat> Hopefully, that it will also help bring down some of the prices that are being charged now for these for coach and business. Uh, 
alike. It's it's really very expensive, and people want to go. So I hope that this will help build up the tourism season um, to the success that we really need. You know, earlier you mentioned the whole Aliyah uh, uh, topic and rebuilding Israel, and, uh, and and you're predicting a massive Aliyah, which, please God, your words will come true. But you know what I found unusual, and maybe I just it's always happened and I haven't paid as much attention, it is interesting how many government officials and journalists, many journalists who never even weighed in on this issue before, are now encouraging Jews outside of Israel to move to Israel, and it's sort of, it, it seems like it's a, it's a movement. It seems like it's a, uh, um, you know, a rallying cry that's coming from sources in Israel that normally didn't weigh in on this. Uh, yes, I, but I think it's also reading the reality and the sense that um, um, of unity with, with world Jewry. <clears throat> you know, there was a period when the diaspora was put down and was seen as a negative expression. That's not what you hear today. People appreciate the role, the lobby, the all the efforts that we make, the money and the financial assistance, but they most of all want people to come. And I think that that will be reflected in uh, in the coming months uh, after the war. That a lot, And a lot of young people from Jewish education has become too expensive for their kids right. who, you know, and, and they know that the earlier they buy the housing, more likely to find it. You, I drove yesterday uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and I mean both ways. The number of cranes you see everywhere, as they say, it's the national bird of Israel is the crane, because <laughs> there are countless. I'm telling you, I was, I was in two European capitals uh, right before October seventh, and I looked out and I could see a good part of their capital cities. You didn't see one crane. And if you saw one, it was really celebrated. Here, you cannot look anywhere, any window, anything where you don't see it. And and in the areas, the suburban areas around Tel Aviv, around Yerushalayim, around, you see dozens of them. Literally, it's unbelievable. And Ken Yerbu, we want need more and more of this housing. There are so people will be able to come and find reasonable places for them to live and to to enjoy Israel despite the burdens of the war. It's still amazing here, and people are having a great time. The weather has been beautiful, so people should come. It's one of my favorite lines since I was a kid, the whole national bird thing. I think I, I think I heard it like at least 10 Shabbatot a year in my house, <laughs> and it came up at the Shabbos table. Uh, if Israel was responsible, what did they accomplish with the airstrike in Damascus this week? That they knocked out some very important people perhaps, and uh, supplies. You know, Syria is the waypoint for Iran to get supplies to Hezbollah, especially the precision guidance systems and more modern weapons, but also to their proxies in Iraq and in Syria, which, as you know, have been attacking Americans and are preparing all the time for an attack on Israel. And if there's an all-out war in the northern border, they might take well take advantage of it. These are Hamas, uh, I mean, Iranian-controlled, uh, militias that uh, don't like Assad by and large, and Assad doesn't like them. You also have Turkish groups there and Turkish army fighting in Syria. So the the um, when Israel learns of shipments of weapons, they they take them out. It's often in the port area, right. or if they uh, know that a very high value individual, it could be by the way, United States 
doing it with a drone or Israel doing it. And finally, Malcolm, what do we learn from the video about the Bibas family, the family members shown on video? I mean, obviously, there's some comfort that we know that they've been alive at some point after October 7th. But I mean, is there does this help Israeli intelligence at all? Is, is, is there value to it beyond what I just said? To, to value to have to have that video to see the Bibas family members, you know, actually alive uh, in the hands of the enemy. The video that was released this week. Well, one the one of the purposes is that they can't deny that they took them alive, that they claimed that they were killed and uh, before. Now we know that in October they were alive. Right. We do not know the circumstances now. I have to tell you that I find this the most heart rendering when I look at those two little kids. I don't know any parent or grandparent or brother or sister doesn't see in those faces, you know, their relatives or loved ones and their own families. It's just so horrendous. But the, the in this case, the release of information, I don't agree with all the information. Sometimes right. they give too much detail. But this is important, just as the, you know, there was a big debate about whether they should release the information, what happened to the women, what happened to others. But if the world doesn't understand the nature of the enemy that we're facing, and if we don't put the enemy on notice that, you're not going to hide behind denials that you, if you actually, if they're not with us, and we pray they are, that they will be held to account for it. And don't tell us that Israel bombed them and then don't tell them that they were, you know, when they left Gaza, they weren't alive. We know where they were. And we know there's many more footage that is being captured. What's surprising me is that they don't destroy more. Uh, I mean, the Hamas guys don't destroy more of the, the record and stuff. But I, I spoke to guys who told me about some of the documents that they found, some of the uh, ongoing bases. They're getting incredible intelligence, which ties in Iran, which ties in others and, you know, tells the real story that I guess we'll only learn once this war is over. Yeah, eventually we'll all know about it. Uh, the incredible work of the uh, Israeli intelligence and, of course, of the army and all its personnel. Uh, have a wonderful Shabbos in Jerusalem. You're taken care of for Shabbat dinner tonight, or you need me to intervene? You're fine? Well, it would help, but we in the great synagogue <laughs> of Jerusalem, of yeah. which I am proud to be president, are right. doing a dinner for lone soldiers. Wow. And we do each month one dinner uh, like this. We have 100 lone soldiers coming, plus guests, uh, and um, we try to celebrate them and make them feel welcome and have a place and it does gives them great chizuk and but I tell you everybody who comes walks away on a high to see these young people who are so committed and and you know not looking for the comfy life that they could have but and and not marching for you know they want to see from the river to the sea to be Hamas free yeah, and all of us should celebrate them. Amen to that. Shabbat Shalom. We'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Amen Hashem. Be well. Malcolm Holmline, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 5.19 here in New York on this era of Shabbos. 5.19 is candle lighting in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are, whatever area of the world you might be in. A reminder that Matis speaks with Raimosha Cohen this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. Raimosha Cohen is Matis's guest. He's head of the Jewish World Section in the International School for Holocaust Studies of Yad Vashem. They'll discuss this summer's educational programs. Again, Raimosha Cohen is Matis's guest. Matis is on the air live 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. Eastern Time this and every Sunday on JM Sunday. And I thank Matis for that. He's amazing. And incredible, and I thank Avrami who sat in for Matis last week, which was great. Thank you for that. 
Um, what else did I want to mention? Uh, oh, yeah, congratulations again to the University men's basketball team. They're going to the Skyline Conference final against Farmingdale on Sunday. Congratulations to Coach Elliot Steinmetz and the entire team. And um, Inspector Richie Taylor has been such an amazing friend of this show. He is now Deputy Chief Richie Taylor, highest-ranking Orthodox Jew in the New York City Police Department, and we say mazal tov to him from all of us here at JM in the AM. That is... Uh, Really an amazing and appropriate accomplishment. Appropriate recognition, I should say. The, the man is amazing. Uh, this time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudit, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Titzavah. According to the Chinuch, there are seven mitzvos in Parshas Tetzaveh, four positive and three restrictions. However, before we get to Tetzaveh, let's focus on today. Today has a special designation to it. It is Purim Katar. Now, what does that mean? Today's date is the 14th of Adar, but it's Adar Harisho. It's the first Adar. The Mishnah in Meseches Megillah on Daf Vav Amid Beis, the Mishnah teaches us the following very important point, namely, Ein bein Adar Harisho, la Adar Hasheni. What is the difference? And there is no difference, says the Mishnah, between the first Adar and the second Adar. Ella. However, but Krias Amagila Umatonos Levione. Reading the Megillah, and the Talmud teaches us that the poor knew that when the Megillah was read, there would be gifts given to the poor. So they go together. There are four mitzvahs we know on Purim, reading the Megillah, giving Matonos Levione gifts to the poor, having a Purim Sa'uda, and Mishloach Mano sending gifts. Now, the Mishnah is telling us that today is Purim, but it's Purim without the performance of the mitzvahs. Rashi teaches on this spot, only the reading of the Megillah, Klomar, that's to teach him Berishom, if one read the Megillah last night and today, on the first Adar, Lo Yotza, you would not satisfy your obligation of the mitzvah. So you don't have the mitzvahs of Purim, but today is Purim. Now what does that mean, today is Purim? As we know, this morning in our prayers, we did not say Tachanun. This morning in Shachris, we did not say Lam <clears throat> because today is a day imbued with simcha. How does the simcha manifest itself? The same way that on Purim, it's a day of mishteh, so mishteh means one is to have a meal. So to today, the Shulchan writes, and it happens to be in the very last 
chapter of Orachayim, that one is not to fast today, and if, unfortunately, there would be a funeral today, we are not to have eulogies today. Today has simcha to it. Now, you might ask, what is the simcha? After all, Purim is observed on the second Adar. Now, let's take that for a moment. In reality, I think if I were to ask most of you, if you have a choice to do a mitzvah in the first Purim, first Adar, or in the second, we would have chosen the first because of the concept which says, Emavirin ala mitzvos. We don't forego and delay a mitzvah. You do the mitzvah with alacrity. Zrizim makdimin the mitzvos. You would do the mitzvah as soon as possible. The Gemara presents an interesting reason for doing the mitzvah in the second Adar, and that is lismoch geula l'geula, to put the celebration of the redemption of Pesach close to the redemption of Purim. Purim is to be celebrated near Pesach to remind us and teach us that just as the celebration of Pesach beyond any doubt is a celebration of God's miraculous salvation of the Jewish people. All the plagues in Egypt, which affected only the Egyptians and not the Jewish people, the splitting of the sea, <clears throat> which saved the Jewish people and drowned the Egyptians, all this is clearly beyond the natural order, so too is the holiday of Purim. One shouldn't think, come on, we had a Jewish woman as the queen, and Esther, the queen, had a positive influence over Ahasuerus the king, and therefore it was the government that allowed the Jews to um, destroy, defeat their enemy on the 13th of Adar, and therefore we celebrate on the 14th of Adar. No. Interestingly, I'm going to share with you a fascinating Rambam. And the Rambam is found in his introduction to his monumental work, the Yad HaChazoka, and the Rambam in his listing the mitzvos in order of their appearance in his book of Halacha, 613 mitzvos. Where are they found? So he begins by telling us, Sefer Rishon, Sefer Sheni, etc., and then the Rambam writes in his introduction that you should know that the mitzvot de Rabbanon, the mitzvot that the rabbis instituted, they could not institute it 
on their own, because 613 mitzvahs were given to Moshe, 611 really, to Moshe. We heard the first two from Hashem himself at Sinai, and the Torah, as much as says, you're not permitted to add, you're not permitted to detract from the number of mitzvahs. So how can we have mitzvahs durabanam? And especially, we say the bracha, v'tzivanu. Tonight, you have to wash for the su'udas Shabbos. And what are you going to say? Asher kitshanu v'tzivanu, and he commanded us al-natilas yadayim. Wait a second. There's no way that you can say that natilas yadayim is a biblical mitzvah. It was for the kohanim before they served in the Beis HaMikdash. But the answer is, Hashem commanded us to listen to the Chachamim, who in turn commanded us to wash the Tilas Yedayim before we eat bread. So, the Rambam writes that every mitzvah, the Rabbanan, needs a biblical source to say, aha, based upon this verse, this is, gives us the license to fulfill this particular mitzvah. Now, if you have a moment, I'll be honored. If you can just write down five, meaning the fifth book, chapter four, meaning the fourth perek in the fifth book, Fifth book is Devarim. Fifth, fourth parak, you're in Eschanan, and the verse is seven. So it's five, fifth book, chapter four, Pesach seven. Write it down, bring it to the table tonight. If you happen to have an article, Chumash at home, you're talking about page 960. And what's the verse that the Rambam says, if you want to know what is Purim, whoa, says the Torah. Look, is there such a great nation? Is there a great nation that has the closeness to God? Like our God, our God, that whenever we call to him, meaning that there's a yachas, there's a relationship between us and the Jewish people through prayer. We pray, Hashem responds. What is Purim? Turn to Megillas Esther. Go to chapter 4 in Megillas Esther. When Mordechai convinces Esther that she's to go literally put her life at risk, go to the king uninvited, unannounced, and Esther agrees, but what does she say? In chapter 4, verse 16, Leich Kenos is called What does she say? Go assemble all the Jews in Shushan and Sumuolai, fast for me for three days, I and my Maidens will fast as well. And with this, I will go to the king. 
Now this is understood in two levels. I'm going to go to the king with a small K, to Achashverosh. I'm going to go to the king with a capital K, to Hashem, having with me the fasting and the praying. What's the fasting? Just to fast? God, to lose weight? Come on. The whole purpose of fasting and a fast day is to bring us closer to Hashem. So here she's saying that I'm going with the armament of chapter 4, verse 7 in the Torah, whereby we have this close and tight connection to Hashem through prayer. Okay, Purim is a day of connection to Hashem. We fulfill the mitzvot on the second Adar, close to Pesach. The potential is here today. Today is a day that celebration, the very last chapter of Orachayim are the laws and the rules of Pesach, a Purim Katan today. And the Shari Tshuva brings that Rabbi Yechiel of Paris on Purim Katan today, he would have a extensive meal and he would invite people to this meal to celebrate. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating our relationship with Hashem. We don't necessarily have this today, and amazing, the Ksav Sofer felt that you should have Mishloach Monos today. I am not suggesting new customs. Don't send Mishloach Monos today, and don't have an extensive meal today, but you should have something special. Have, treat yourself, be it to a Danish, or even normally you might not have meat on Friday because you should have an appetite for Shabbos. Today is that special day. We're celebrating today. We as a people have that special relationship. Now, I don't have to tell you where we find ourselves. We need today Purim Katan to remind ourselves how important our prayer is, each and every one of us, to daven especially now for the Chayolim. Bring them home to pray for the captives. Bring them home. HaKadosh Baruch Hu hears our tefillos, number one. Number two, what is going on in Tetzaveh? We are continuing with the not only the construction of the Mikdash, the Mishkan in the desert sanctuary, the clothing for the Kohanim, it begins with the oil for the lighting of the menorah, it ends with the special Mizbeach HaZohav in the Heichal, where I have the shulchan of last week, the menorah of last week, and the third furniture in that room called the golden mizbeah, where ketores, incense, was offered on it. 
every morning and every afternoon the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to have a place, a dira bitachtonim, literally a place here in this world that his presence could, should rest. That's what we yearn for. That's what we pray for. And the Mir Hashem, it's going to come. Talking about Purim, I just want to add one point. The Rambam in the end of his second chapter of Megillah tells us what the mitzvahs are. Listen to this last Rambam. Mutav la'adam. It's better for the individual. The harbos to increase his matonos evionim, his gifts to the poor, than to have a larger festive meal, you should spend more on the gifts to the poor than even your gifts and lavish mishloach manos. There's no greater joy than to be able to gladden the hearts of the poor, of the orphans, of the widows, of the converts. Because doing this, says the Rambam, is emulating the ways of God. I strongly therefore recommend, send Mishloach Monos, but maybe not as extensive, not as lavish as you would in the past. Put a note and say, instead of a more lavish Mishloach Monos, I am making a contribution to the various worthy tzedakos that are assisting the victims of the war, the chayolim, and this will, please God, bring us and our friends a greater sense of simcha this year as we are in an ace sorrow. I take this opportunity to wish everyone a meaningful Purim Katan, celebrating the potential. It's actualized on the second Purim in Adar Sheni, but to celebrate today the potential of the Jew for having a most personal meaningful relationship with Hashem. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Okay, Sally, let's go over the plans. You're going to the bank, and you'll tell them, stick them up. Should I take out the guns first? Should I take out the guns first? Dummy! Certainly you take out the guns first. No, not here in the street. When you get to the bank, you take out the guns, and you say, stick them up. Stick them up. Now, I got it. I got it. When you got all of them stuck up, you'll take out the shopping bag from Corvettes. You'll give it to the teller and tell him to fill it up, please. You'll take the bag of money, you'll tell everybody that's stuck up that they shouldn't move for five minutes because you've got the place surrounded by me. You'll back out of the door. I'll be waiting for you in the car. That's it. And believe me, you got the easy job and I got the dangerous job. You got the dangerous job? I'm going in there alone with two guns against six guards and all those people, and I'm going to tell them to stick them up and fill it up and back out of the bank while you're sitting in the car, and you got the dangerous job? Certainly I got the dangerous job. I can drive. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. on this... Uh... <laughs> <clears throat> on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. Today is Purim Katan. Figured it's a good day to play a comedy segment or two. Candle lighting on this era of Shabbos. Parsha Tesave is 519 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 519 in New York. And the Shushan Purim Katan is tomorrow. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. Uh, this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman celebrating their 70th anniversary makes traditional traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more, old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more, and modern better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code RADIO. And try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. <coughs> uh, and that is an understatement, as I like to always point out. Um, yeah, our friends at A&H are remarkable. Congratulations to the Yeshiva University men's basketball team. They're going to the Skyline Conference final on Sunday. They won last night. Congratulations to our dear friend, uh, Inspector Richie Taylor, who now is Deputy Chief Richie Taylor of the New York City Police Department, highest-ranking Orthodox Jew in the NYPD. Congratulations, Deputy Chief, from all of us here at JM and the AM. I mentioned earlier that um, Dr. Renone Mann is being recognized tomorrow night by Congregation Renat Yisrael at their annual dinner um, for his service to the synagogue and to the uh, community. And um, I take this opportunity again to wish a mazal tov to all the honorees, Ricky and Seth Landa, Emily Adler, all the graduating group leaders, 
um, a lehitraot to Adina and Rabbi Ezra Wiener as they're heading to Israel. And again, the Shruli Gutman Service Award to Dr. Renon Mann, who I mentioned earlier, is um, he and his wife, Dr. Shari Mann, uh, amazing friends and supporters of ours and uh, here at JMNAM. And uh, in, in, in his understated way, he does so much for the shul and for the community. So it's uh, wonderful to hear that he is being recognized tomorrow night. To Dr. Shari and Dr. Renon Mann, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, oh, Matis has a special guest on Sunday. Matis on JM Sunday is going to be speaking with Rabbi Moshe Kohn, head of the Jewish World Section in the International School for Holocaust Studies of Yad Vashem. They'll discuss this summer's educational programs. Matis with Rabbi Moshe Kohn Sunday. Uh, JM Sunday airs between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. Sunday morning here on NSN. And um, you'll be able to catch that conversation during JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, here on the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, lots of uh, lots of wonderful things going on, thank God. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Let's see what people have been writing since this morning. Oh, people wanted to hear Purim. Yeah, we did some Purim songs this morning. Obviously, it is a Purim Katan, which lends itself to that. <laughs> Please keep in mind Shalom Avraham ben Peshalea. Shalom Avraham ben Peshalea. And your help with that is, of course, greatly appreciated. Mazal Tov to Esther and Shmuel Van on the birth of a daughter, Ora Rifka. And Mazal Tov to the grandparents, Nahama and Elliot Rosner. Mazal Tov to the Van and Rosner families from all of us here at the JM in the AM. Um... What else? Hardy Mazeltov. This is from uh, Ruby Kaplan. Hardy Mazeltov to granddaughter Manucha Gdansky. Uh, I assume uh, engaged to Jason uh, Zucker. Thrilled to share in the special Simcha. Wishing the families Mazel Nachas and Brachas always. Thrilled to witness another Simcha milestone. Um, and that's, of course, from uh, Coach Bobby and Ruby Kaplan. Mazeltov, Manucha, and Jason. Uh, what else do we have here? Yeah, Menucha. Oh, Menucha Gdansky. Yeah, Menucha Gdansky. Oh, and Jaden Zucker. I don't know. Ruby wrote a couple of times on the app. Bubby and Xander coach Ruby Bobby Kaplan are thrilled. All right. I'm assuming that the family members who hear that will know exactly what that means. <laughs> um, and um, oh. And someone's uh, the archive for yesterday doesn't play on the app. I have a feeling that now it might. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check with Avrami because we had a similar problem a few minutes ago with another archive. So we will um, check that out, and hopefully, if um, hopefully if uh, if I'm correct, that problem has been solved. All right, more coming up. It's JM in the AM on a Friday Arab Shabbos. We did this one earlier. The um, performer Mendy Warch has a brand new selection uh, entitled Good Shabbos. Here it is at JM in the AM. 
Brand new from Mendy Warch. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Cause all you 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network. And, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and an incredible week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. More coming up, including Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Arab Shabbos Music Mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, plus, of course, the final hour, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, final hour will begin about 4.15 Eastern Time later today. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's Matas and JM Sunday, and Rabbi Cohen is his special guest, as we mentioned. Make sure to be tuned in. <coughs> And Monday morning, we're back, and hopefully by Monday, this cough will be gone. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Happy Purim Katan, everybody. And to continue to keep our brothers and sisters in mind. Today is the 139th day. We're about to enter full Shabbat number 20 that our brothers and sisters are in captivity in the hands of the enemy. Till next time, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.